Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I feel like I should do hold music. Your TV facts are important to us. And welcome to episode 250 of Geek Tower Radio. I'm back this week with... Kitty, kitty, kitty. Vex. Damn it, Vex. <laughs> I always forget. Trolled by your own sound effect. <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Not bad at all. Good. How, how have the last couple of weeks been treating you? It's been good, apart from the ongoing uh, traumatic experience of uh, accidentally, repeatedly drowning a digital cat on stream. Right. Okay. Explain. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, you know, part of me wants to leave that just hanging without any context. Um, but I've, I've been playing um, a load of uh, retro games over on Antstream and they've yes. got tons of like C64 and Amiga and things like that so you go through and you play what you want from your childhood but it also sort of recommended a few games at me and they included arcade games that I didn't know right. one of those arcade games was a, a Japanese arcade game I don't know if it's called Yuo Poco or O Poco right. um, you know I played the first level it looked kind of sweet and I thought yeah I'll, I'll play that on stream that, that'll be good and it's a little bit like you know you sort of bubble puzzle bubble you know Dr. Mario E these kind of gem trader you know type matching you know you match four and it vanishes kind of games and I thought that's really sweet and it's got a little animated cat that pulls a little lever that's what you're moving to kind of pinball the little bubbles to match all the colours you know all adorable (laughs) except for when you lose right because the entire game's underwater okay so it drowns the cat when you lose it doesn't just drown the cat the cat kind of grabs at its little pixelated throat its cheeks puff up its little eyes turn to crosses and it floats off the top of the screen while the continue things up so if you oh want the God. cat not to die you have to put another coin in the machine it's, wow it's, it, 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 there's, there's lots of clips of my reactions to the first time I ever saw this because I was not expecting that talk about emotional manipulation to get you to spend more money wow I know right um, so it's a little pixelated crossed eyed kitty that you have to have to save and um, I'm number seven on the leaderboard for it and I've got it into my head that if I could become number one on the leaderboard all the trauma will be worth it so I keep playing that at the moment I was also playing a old top-down shooter called Xenon I don't know if you've played that yes yes I'm aware of Xenon yes quite another very nice beautiful music I'd forgotten yes it is it's great music awesome the music in that game is and the lovely intro thing where it's like level one with the little pixelated tempt at video little guy on the screen it's just yeah that's a wonderful game so I'm going to be playing a lot more of a lot more of that as well so those have been keeping me busy one with slightly more traumatic results than the other um we played a little bit of a new zealand story as well haven't played that in a very long time right yeah uh slightly difficult to play that one while live streaming though because i keep looking across to chat and then being hit in the face with a boomerang because um, <laughs> the uh the, the enemies actually moved quite swiftly right. in that game so if you look away to the other screen you, you sort of look back and go oh and uh, we'll start that level again then um so i need to start remembering to pause i think with that one because i'd forgotten just how how nifty the uh, the enemies are and a few few other games as well so that's that's been keeping me busy just discovering a new library of things and sort of finding games and going oh, i remember this i remember that so that's been quite fun i've also started watching uh, a netflix show called kiss me first right yes i don't know if you've watched that one just remind me of it uh, i it's a, a 
young adult teenage type thing, but it's it's in a similar world to people that recognize things oh, yeah. like uh, Red Player One. It's it's got everyone, all the all the youth spend their time in VR in yes. a in a kind of alternate world type I, thing. I remember games. it was a it was actually a channel four show. It was a co production with Netflix. Uh, okay. So uh, I I'd seen I can't remember whether I finished the first season, but I remember I remember seeing it on channel four. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched about sort of four episodes so far. It's quite interesting. It's a it's a little bit teenage for me. Yes. Uh, I didn't tend to watch things that were kind of teenage when I was teenage, but it's quite it's quite well done and it's quite interesting. Very very good performances by the the young cast members for some very dark like it is it is quite yeah. dark um, as well. It does go into things to do with you know parents abandoning people and uh, domestic abuse and and um, in a non direct way into kind of drug abuse and stuff like that. Yeah. So it, it's got some quite dark themes going on there and to do with escapism and when you can't deal with your actual life running into a dream world and what happens when the, the crossover between those things occurs and things that affect you in one uh, get out into the real world so it's um it seems quite interesting i mean i'm only a few episodes in but i've been impressed with the, the with the sort of ideas they're putting into it didn't it didn't expect it to be as dark as it was yeah no it is i seem to remember that it was a very 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 dark show in places i was quite surprised by it but um yeah it it was a, a solid series i seem to remember i'm not sure whether it's coming back for a second one i i think there was some talk of them doing a second season but there's never been any more information about it than that and it's been out for quite a while so i yeah, it's I quite a difficult it pitch because the proposition is that it's something that's kind of aimed at teens but teens who are quite robust that can handle some of the darker themes in it and some of the more yeah it, it, it deals with them in a very it just shows you the things a lot of the time it's um yeah it, it, it's quite hard hitting in some ways for for a show that seems to be aimed at teenagers but then i think as well with the sort of the young adult books i've got some friends who are very much into some young adult book series and those are incredibly hard hitting compared to the things that came out when i was a teenager yeah yeah uh, you know I, I remember sweet valley high being a thing no they're like oh no it's a post-apocalyptic world where everyone's cannibals and you're like what and they're like, oh yeah these main characters have all died and i'm like what um so it does seem like teenage sort of base media has, has gone very much down well that, that route yeah i mean you look at something like 13 reasons why which uh, i mean is is again is a young adult drama and that i mean is incredibly dark and uh you know that was aimed at a teen audience as well and i mean that that's the epitome of sort of those kind of dark dramas so yeah i know what you mean though would you know our, our sort of teen dramas were nowhere near like that so it's an interesting one i'll watch the rest of this series because i am intrigued to see where it goes and i was just impressed by the because the actors must be reasonably young in this and they're doing very very solid performances and what are quite mm. nuanced and uh, difficult roles to to perform yeah and and uh, you've got them flipping in and out of the game as well i don't know whether they did mocap i can't remember how they did the the game bits but yes it's a very interesting show that as i say i don't know whether it's coming back again but um i you know with the way things are at channel four at the moment it's possible netflix may pick it up directly and because it's a co-production it, it may be that it will survive but I'm uh, given the financial problems at Channel 4 at the moment I, and it's been a while since it's been on I'm not sure whether that's going to come back for a second season or not yeah so what has been keeping you busy TV wise I've been watching Afterlife uh, I finished that which is just a masterpiece of work from Ricky Gervais the second season is as good if not better than the first it's a phenomenal piece of work and it's beautifully acted throughout the final scene is incredibly tense and just will have you probably have people in tears I imagine it's just heartbreaking in places but incredibly funny and he walks that line so well with that series everybody's heaped praise on it and uh, it's deservedly so it's coming back for a third season, which Ricky is promising will be the final season. It's the first time he's ever done three seasons of one of his shows. He, did, I think I mentioned last week, he did threaten to crash an asteroid into the town at the end of the third season, so Netflix couldn't afford him to make a fall. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he'll round off things quite well. I, I thought he rounded things off pretty well, actually, at the end of the second season, but uh, there are definitely places he could go with it. I'd be very interested to see what he does with the third 
season we'll have to wait and probably next year the year after before we know that but if you've not been watching Afterlife on Netflix go and watch it it's a phenomenal phenomenal series I also finished Dead to Me as well which I loved the first season of this this was the um, comedy about two women the one woman her husband's killed in an accident she meets a friend at a support group and it's sort of about the relationship between the pair of them I just in case you haven't watched season one I won't go into what develops out of that relationship but uh it is incredibly funny there's lots of twists and turns I did wonder whether they bring that to a conclusion after season two but they've definitely teed up a number of things that could carry it on for a third season so uh, I'm very intrigued to see what they do with that but uh, I thought season two of that again was brilliant and uh, just as good as the first one so um, I've I've been thoroughly enjoying that. Uh, Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj came back with a quarantine version of it like many other of the yeah, those sort of shows which are presenters talking to cameras that you would usually have a studio audience but obviously hasn't at this moment that works out quite well he opens it by saying try not to think of this as a downgraded Netflix show think of it as a YouTube channel that's got an upgrade <laughs> um, <laughs> which is the way he's described it so uh, it works really well I mean it's a lot of Hassan Minaj's stuff on Patriot that he basically takes a subject a week and talks about it it's usually about something that's in the news so this week he did stuff about um, renting in America relating to the coronavirus and what happens when people don't pay their rent and what what things are coming down the line and it's really interesting so that's well worth watching and he's very funny as well Gaming-wise, I've still been playing Phoenix Point, and I'm still thoroughly enjoying that. But Epic Game Store had a bit of a sale on this week. They're actually giving away £10 voucher on Epic's Game Store, so you can get £10 off. Technically, it's supposed to be any game, but it's any game over, I think, £14.99 or £13.99 in the UK. And <laughs> a lot of the people on the store have... Uh, reduced their games to 13.98 so you can't use the voucher on them <laughs> so uh that that's kind of annoying but uh one of the games that was on there that was still at like 20 pounds or so was was satisfactory so uh i got that for like you know 10 pounds it's been out for a while it's a building game where you're this pioneer you're dropped down onto this planet and you're there to set up manufacturing facilities with mines and you're there to investigate this kind of alien environment and you can build huge factory things which have conveyor belts that sort of move stuff around your factory it's all in first person you can build these really kind of big complex machines that sort of feed stuff from where you're mining into a processing facility to sort of a smelter and then you can kind of build it so it goes into something that builds parts and then that splits off into something that builds more complicated parts if you're into those sort of building games it's really good fun and i kind of thought oh well i might give this a go and then eight hours later i was still (laughs) stuck playing around with it but it's really well put together it is still technically an early access at the moment but there is quite a lot to get into and play around within that game so i've been thoroughly thoroughly enjoying messing around with that but that's satisfactory that's on the epic game store a couple of other little bits of news Batwoman again we're back to this (laughs) so if you've been following Batwoman you will be aware that we are coming up to episode 9 which is the crisis episode except E4 have decided that they are moving that episode to the end of the run so episode 9 in the UK will actually be US's episode 10 and then they're tagging the crisis episode on to the end their argument being is that as I have pointed out to them if you leave it where it is it makes zero sense on its own as an episode because it's entirely related to the crisis crossover Mm -hmm. so of course I posted this news online and just a ridiculous amount of complaints about it because there are a lot of people that have recorded all the episodes of the other Arrowverse shows on Sky 1 and have been waiting for the crisis episode
episode to come out so they could start watching everything in order. And now they've bumped it another two months down the line. So yeah, that's gone down really well uh, with people. So uh, it is going to be airing. It's just not going to be airing until the end of the run unless they finally relent and decide to just shove it up on all four, which is what I said they should have done in the first place. But um, yeah, so there's that. I mean, I get the kind of point of moving it because it isn't directly related to the main storyline, but there are elements in those following episodes which refer back to Crisis. So- yeah, because it's a crisis. The whole point of it is that it changed the direction of the overall narrative of the in-world universe. Yes, it doesn't as much in Batwoman as it does in some of the others, but it does still have an effect. So it's a horrible decision. E4 have just massively mishandled this. They should have put it out first or shoved it up on E4 if they wanted to, on all four, sorry, if they wanted to take it out of the main run. It's a terrible decision by the schedulers, but that's where we are at the moment. So vent your frustration at E4 tweets if you want to go online and tweet at E4 tweets for that. On some good news, though, over on Disney Plus, on the 3rd of July, they are releasing Hamilton, the musical, the the multi-award winning, critically acclaimed Hamilton, the musical. They filmed a version of it a few weeks before the original Broadway cast finished their run. So it is a filmed version of the live stage show of Hamilton. Uh, It's the entire thing. It was originally due for cinematic release next year. They decided that rather than do that, they're going to uh, put it on Disney Plus on the 3rd of July, just in time for uh, Traitor's Day in America, uh, or 4th of July, as they like to refer to it. (laughs) It it is just in time for that, uh, which seems quite appropriate. I adore this musical. I adore the music for it. I've never managed to get to see it live, so I'm very, very excited for this. Do you know Hamilton? I mean, you must have been aware of Hamilton the musical, I'm sure. I'm aware of, but I've not I've not seen or anything. But I have been impressed by the amount of different theatre productions have been airing recordings of their things, like, you know, and, and putting them up online for people to watch during lockdown. I think that's been awesome. And so it's nice to see this one added to that as well, especially one that's filmed at cinematic release quality. Yeah, all filmed in front of, I think it was filmed over three nights in front of a live audience audience and then they filmed some additional insert bits without the audience as well and they you know so it it is filmed with cinema in mind so it is a full cinematic experience but it is a version of the stage show i think that's a brilliant idea uh considering how impossible it is to get like decent hamilton tickets as well it'd be nice to see it with the original cast with ling mamal miranda in it doing the lead role so uh yeah i i'm really glad they've got a version of that up and uh I hope, if nothing else, after lockdown ends, that there still will be a continuing trend to have recorded versions of theatre productions and things. Because you have some things that happen like in cinemas where they live broadcast to the cinema, like the, the Royal Ballet and stuff like that. And if we could have home versions continuing like that, where mm. you can watch these recordings. Because they've been doing it and they've just been putting them up for a limited amount of time Yeah, with some of the other theatres. And I think that's a wonderful way to share those with people that are not either financially able to go or physically, you know, in some way or other able to attend a regular theatre yeah. um, and it's just such a, a good thing because it doesn't you know if it doesn't detract from people going to the theatre in itself it's a it's a different version of that same experience it hasn't got the same sort of atmosphere and things because you're not in the building exactly with the people but it's a very good way of making it more accessible and sharing these narratives with a much wider group of people um, so I kind of hope it continues yeah I hope so too I mean because the problem is a lot of these particularly the big shows shows they do do t- some touring productions but quite a lot of them are, are based out of the west end in london and for anybody outside of london that's an incredibly expensive thing to have to do because not only the tickets you've actually got to spend a weekend down in london which is a nice thing to do but it is a lot of money because you're paying for hotels you've got the travel you know the, it can be quite it's an expensive thing to do so i do hope that they carry on with this uh, it would be great to see more of these shows going out uh, like we've had Flea, the original Fleabag stage show go out on Amazon and uh, there's a number of other places that like National Theatre are doing a number of like short runs of things which you can go and buy so yeah I, I would love to see more of this it's really good but I am very excited to see the actual stage version of Hamilton because 
the soundtrack's been out for a long time and the soundtrack's fabulous so uh, i'm sure the um, filmed version is as good as uh, that is as well so very much looking forward to that but that's coming on the 3rd of July to Disney Plus if you want to catch that that's all the stuff we've been doing the last few weeks let's move on to some TV and film news when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. TV and film news this week. We start off, as ever, with renewals, cancellations and pickups. Renewals, uh, they announced that Code 404, which is the comedy on Sky One, has been renewed for a second season. It apparently was their largest comedy launch of any TV show in eight years. So it's hardly surprising that that's got renewed, I don't think. <laughs> they uh, just had dollar signs appeared in the eyes, I think, over that one. Yeah, it's got a great cast. It's Daniel Mays and Stephen Graham. They're this uh, crime-fighting duo buddy cop thing. But very early on in the first episode, Daniel May's character gets killed and is replaced by an AI who is supposed to be incredibly intelligent but clearly isn't quite as competent as they thought he was. So it's very, very funny and that's been running on Sky One. As I say, they've, they've apparently had the uh, highest audience viewing figures for eight years for a comedy. Uh, so, and I mean, they're doing fairly well with their comedies. I mean, that means it's beaten out Brassic, Avenue 5, Bounty Hunters in the Long Run, Intelligence and Breeders, all of which have got over a million audience for their launches as well. So they're doing pretty well with their comedies at the moment, I think. You know, Avenue 5, I think, could make an interesting second season. Brassic has been huge for that channel as well, which I'm very, very happy about. I'm glad they've done really well with that. But uh, yeah, so more Code 404 on the way, which is good. NBC has renewed Good Girls, which I think is on Netflix over here, which was another one of their 50-50 bubble shows. So again going back to all the CBS renewals last week where they basically renewed all their bubble shows as well most of them it looks like as we'd said a while ago it looks like they are going to be airing on the side of caution and renewing shows that they already have regardless of what their ratings are rather than trying to go back and uh, pick up a lot of pilots there have been a few pilot pickups but not uh, not as many I think this season cancellations there have been a couple of them USA Network have cancelled The Purge and Treadstone, both of which aired on Amazon over here. This seems to be a mixture of the fact that both the shows were quite expensive to produce and didn't really have the right amount of eyeballs on them when they went out in the US and the international sales deal that they had with Amazon doesn't seem to have managed to make up that shortfall. Plus, there is a sort of change in direction slightly for USA Network where they're going more towards one season and event series dramas like they've got a thing about Evil Knievel coming up starring um, Milo Ventimiglia that's going to be like a you know it's a one-off season biopic and they're going to be doing more of that sort of stuff so rather than ongoing series it will be like one season big feature event things and they're doing more reality stuff and the higher end non-scripted TV as they refer to it so they're going to be doing more of that stuff apparently as well so it's kind of a bit of a change of direction for USA Network and that's led to the cancellation of those two uh I don't know whether you saw either of those. I hadn't watched any of the Purge. Treadstone was quite good. That was the one that was based in the sort of world of Jason Bourne. Yeah, neither of those particularly jumped no. out of me as, as things that I was that interested in, mm. so I haven't watched either, I'm afraid. Not enough spaceships. <laughs> no, no spaceships at all, in fact. No, no, none at all. Treadstone was quite good, though. I did enjoy that. We have had some pickups, one of them on the side of Atlantic, one of them in the US. Alex Ryder. You remember the Alex Ryder series? <laughs> It's been floating around for ages that they were really pushing it at MCM last year. Mm, yeah, they were. It was very front and centre. I just assumed that I'd been and gone and I'd missed it. No, it was one of those odd situations where Sony, who made the series 
basically made it without a broadcaster and decided to make it's eight episodes. I think they made the entire series and then decided to sell it to somebody afterwards. So it was kind of a bit backwards rather than getting a broadcaster involved to start off with. They did it the other way around. It is going to premiere on the 4th of June on Amazon Prime UK. I think that is a UK only thing as well. I don't think they've announced it for you Amazon in the US. So it could end up somewhere else over there but uh yeah it's it's going to premiere on the 4th of june on amazon prime uk that is the alex rider series we have spoken a bit about that if you want to know more about the alex rider series there is a ton of content up on the uh website um, geektown.co.uk if you just go in and look for alex rider there is a whole load of stuff because they pushed it a lot at mcm we've seen clips of it it looks quite good actually there was panels with the cast and people behind it so if you want to know a bit more about that go and look it up there but it's obviously based on the Anthony Horowitz books uh it starts off with the second book because they don't want to tread over the first game that the film which didn't do particularly well went over but they've integrated the relevant bits out of the first book into the second book and kind of reworked that story so it makes sense that will be one to look out for I think that will be worth watching on Amazon Prime and then uh, Ryan Murphy is working on a American horror story spin-off called American Horror stories apparently which is going to be an anthology series which if you're a little confused by that because American Horror Story is an anthology series it's a different type of anthology series the idea is that American Horror Stories will be individual separate anthology episodes rather than being an anthology from season to season this will be an anthology from episode to episode in the same way that something like The Twilight Zone is except they'll all be horror stories so the idea is that there will be just one episode contained things. So they're working on that as well, apparently. Um, they also did mention the the thing that they originally planned to being the next American horror story might not actually be what they were planning now because apparently it's set around a beach, so it relies on the summer weather wow. and they're not going to be allowed to shoot probably this summer and be able to get it done in time. So what he's talking about doing is maybe this American American horror stories thing it, or it may be a case of he uses what he was going to do for the, the idea for the following season moves that to this season and then moves this season to next season so switches them around which you can do because it's an anthology series so you know yeah it would make sense to pick because I'm sure they have tons of ideas this mm. is a a series that just you know they because they have that freedom to just come up with a completely different story each time that's giving them a lot of opportunity to try many different things so yeah whatever ideas they had for the future about a small claustrophobic environment with just a single person in is probably the one they <laughs> want to pick next yes yeah I mean I do wonder whether he'll end up doing something which they can shoot with everybody kind of distancing in some way because I mean you could make a fairly convincing horror that way well, you could you just have to pick up something you know along the old um, ever modernised notion of the, the haunted chain letter or cursed item thing where you, something is passed from person to person and if it's something if you go down sort of like the lines of things like the ring when it's a VHS tape or something it's very easy to shoot a lot of things in yeah. isolation and still have a thread moving between them. So there's a lot of ways they can. I think they're one of the series that are best placed to survive this incredibly well and it actually caused more creativity for them and them to put out something that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, so we'll have to see what he comes up with, but they are saying that what he originally had planned, so because they, they never really released a huge amount of information about what the next season of American Horror Story was going to be, other than he had said it was going to be fairly weather dependent because they wanted to, it was based around a beach apparently and uh, you know, obviously that's probably not going to be possible this year so um, yeah we'll see what he comes up with the chances are there is going to be something it will probably be late this year because as the next story comes on to uh, CW have actually moved their new season from the quotes fall autumn to us British people to January they've actually moved the entire new season so that means 
that no new episodes of Flash, Batwoman, Black Lightning, Riverdale, Charmed, Nancy Drew or Legacies until January. All those shows are going to be off air until the new year. Um, means they're not coming back in the autumn like they would usually do. They will be coming back in January. That also includes uh, Superman and Lois, which is the new spin-off from the Arrowverse and Jared Padalecki's Walker, which is based on Walker, Texas Ranger. That is also going to be premiering in January. Obviously, the offshoot of them moving the new season to January means that the mid-season shows, which mid-season is usually January to March-ish, will get pushed as well. So their mid-season will end up being April, May-ish. That's Legends of Tomorrow, which always runs mid-season, In the Dark, Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, Supergirl and Dynasty have also been moved to mid-season. Dynasty, I, I think just because of the way they shoot it. Super, the reason Supergirl's moved, less to do with the virus and more to do with the fact that Melissa Beerness is pregnant and it's kind of difficult to shoot Supergirl if she's going to be like seven or eight months pregnant at the time. Yeah, not unless you write it into the plot, Xena style. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, yes, there is that. Unless you're going to have like her stood behind an awful lot of boxes all the time. Uh, you know, that, that's somewhat difficult to do. So, uh, yeah, they've, they'd already, I think, decided to move Supergirl to mid-season because of the fact that they knew she was pregnant and they weren't going to be able to shoot in their normal schedule. Also coming mid-season is that female-led remake of Kung Fu, which we've mentioned a few times, and there is a comedy called The Republic of Sarah, which is about a small town where I think there's a mining conglomerate that's trying to take over the small town, so she declares independence from the US. And as a sort of, there's a weird little local loophole that allows her to get away with it. So uh, they, they set up their own little country, which sounds like it could be quite fun, but they're both premiering mid-season as well. Obviously, by moving those mid-season, that leaves a gap in their autumn schedule. So Pandora and The Outpost, which both air on sci-fi over here, those are both being pushed slightly from the summer to the autumn season. Again, part of the reason of that is because they hadn't quite finished filming them, so they're hoping they can film the last couple of episodes of that towards the end of the summer and then release them in autumn. They've also picked up uh, Swamp Thing, which ran on DC Universe when only ran for one season. Tell Me a Story, which was recently cancelled on CBS All Access. They picked that up for the two seasons of that. The Canadian series Coroner, which ran over here on Universal before it disappeared into the ether. And they've uh, they've picked up the E4 comedy Dead Pixels as well, which I'm very happy about. I'm glad the US audience are going to get to see that because it's a very funny show. They've also said that in the autumn, they will be bringing Supernatural back for its final seven episodes. Hopefully, they're going to be able to shoot the finale towards the end of the summer, they're hoping. Then that will be back as well. Well, I know, obviously, that doesn't directly affect the UK audience as such because it's the CW and we don't get the CW over here. That obviously will affect when things come back in the UK. So it does mean that Sky are going to have a large gap at 8pm in their schedules come October because they've got no CW superhero shows to show. So moving the seasons around is going to be uh, very interesting to see what the UK does come the autumn when all the US shows that they would usually be airing aren't there anymore. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what they do over there. Moving on to a another big news story, which I know you're very excited about as well. CBS All Access have announced Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is a new series that stars Captain Pike, Spock and Number One. Ever since Star Trek Discovery Season 2 introduced that sort of Enterprise crew pre-Kirk, there've been a lot of fans going, ooh, ooh, let's see more of that. That would be great. And uh, CBS All Access have kind of relented and listened and now commissioned Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which will see Anson Mount Ethan Peck and Rebecca Romanji all return as Pike, Spock and number one. They didn't release that many details about exactly what it was going to be but as that title suggests and as they were hinting at in the announcement video, it sounds very much like it is going to be much more in the vein of the original series than the ongoing storytelling that we've had in things like Picard and Discovery. It's going to be much more episodic uh, it, it's going to be single kind of stories and it is going to be them going out every week and discovering strange new worlds, which I'm very, very much up for.
for. Yeah, and it's very much what the fans have been asking for as yeah. well. And it's uh, they're always trying to tread such a delicate balance of things like Star Trek because they want to push things forward, they want to do new ideas, they're bringing in there are new writers working on things, and there it's it's a considerable you know amount of time between the series that, came, that we watched you know kind of growing up came out and these ones that are being made now. So things do change, styles and trends and fashions and how series is make evolve and new people want to put in their own ideas but there's very much a huge Star Trek fan base that have been crying out to go back to the kind of episodic format and to have things be a little bit more lighthearted and uh, more about the adventuring and the finding new planets rather than the interpersonal relationships which were always there in the original series but they were not usually the front and centre parts of the plot Mm -hmm. so it's going to be very interesting to see how they balance this because obviously Enterprise tried to mimic the original style format and uh, with a, let's say very mixed re- reviews yes you know it would be nice today and then uh, Discovery obviously went the other way and did a, one single story again to a reasonable amount of actually mixed reviews rather than just mostly negative like Enterprise got mm. so it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that especially because they have new fans as well that popped in at Discovery kind of stage who are now used to the ongoing story format so I think it's going to be interesting but I think it could be a good fun series and I would like something that was a little bit more Star Trek I don't expect everything to be exactly the same or I'd just go back and rewatch the the older series but the the episodes of Discovery I loved the best were things like the Groundhog Day episode right yeah yeah which was amazing yeah it Um, was great and it showed that the new writing style combined with the old writing style totally can work and the second series of Discovery had a little bit more of the light-hearted older sensibilities and the characters were just more likeable and that again worked a bit better than, than the first series did so I think hopefully they've seen that there is a good mix of those formats there is a good mix of the different approaches that can produce very very good results so if we get a series that's you know, a little bit as good as that Groundhog Day episode in Discovery was I'll be incredibly incredibly happy because they couldn't just show us like they couldn't just show us Captain Pike at the end of a series they just go yeah that's just a, a little easter egg bye you know it, yeah. it would have been too cruel They were, the fans weren't going to let them get away with that it was one of those things that when you got to the, the end of that you were like I really want to see more of it I'm really happy they're bringing it back because Anson Mount I think is a huge Trek fan as well so I think he was very very excited about the fact that he you know, gets to be an Enterprise captain for you know a longer period of time than just you know the bits that he did in that second season yeah um, and the casting was good as well it's mm. like they're different difficult characters to cast especially yeah. someone like Spock who's very very beloved and every time they even suggest someone's going to play them it's like it like when people suggest someone new is going to play Batman or Superman you know for some reason Spock is a character people very very much are kind of like if this isn't amazing we're going to riot Um, and I yeah I liked the casting I think they they did really really well and I'm happy to to see more of that as well because it's a a difficult character to cast because it's a very subtle character yeah and I I think they did the sensible thing of going with somebody who is relatively unknown I mean you know people know maybe the name Peck because his father was but he as an actor in himself he'd done bits and pieces but never had a big kind of lead role in something so I I think they did very well casting somebody that wasn't like a an instantly recognisable face but somebody that fitted very very well into that role and and uh, I thought he did a superb job so um, mm. yeah I'm looking forward to that and, and speaking of, of you know the serialised things one thing that the Orville actually proved was it, I mean the Orville rather outtrekked Trek when Seth MacFarlane came up with that series because that is very much a sort of episodic series in the same vein as Next Generation. I mean, it it was much more in that sort of level and that works incredibly well. And they have not so much overarching stories in that, but there are, you know, there are things that move from episode to episode, but they're not kind of the main story arc. It is very much individual episodic adventures with a couple of two parts in there and I think if they go down that format I think it would work extremely well yeah because some Trek fans sort of skipped over to the Orville when they weren't that keen on Discovery yeah so maybe they can win back the Trek fans to Trek 
with this one. Yes, I I think that's probably the case. The premiere is being written by Akiva Goldsman, who's um, I mean he he was exact producer on Picard, but I mean he's been involved with the Trek stuff for years. Alex Kurtzman and Jamie Lenamet, who are the Alex Kurtzman's the big Star Trek boss for CBS, and Jamie Lenamet is another exact producer. They've came up with the story for it. So and I I think you know despite what you may have thought of some of the other shows that Kurtzman's been involved with in terms of the plotting and stuff like Discovery or Picard they are huge fans of it and they specifically I think have gone into this with the idea of creating a episodic TV series rather than an overarching story so I trust what they will do with this I think it could be really good don't know when that's going to land yet but uh, you know we've we've still got the second season of Discovery to uh, or sorry third season of Discovery to come out Uh, we've got a second season of Picard to come out we've got that animated series Star Trek Lower Decks to come out as well and the Michelle Yeoh Frontier series which is going to be about section 31 they've still got that in development so we don't know when this is likely to land it's probably not going to be at least until next year but uh, we'll have to wait and see Moving on out of Trek and into Vampires, we have uh, AMC have acquired the rights to Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles and Lives of the Mayfair Witches. Now, we've talked about TV shows based around these before because it's it's been quite an on-running saga, this, for a number of years. Way back in November 2017, Anne had announced that she'd regained the screen rights to all her work. She was working on a pilot's script with Christopher Rice, her son, who is also a writer. Those rights were then subsequently optioned by Paramount and Anonymous Content, who were the people behind things like Mr. Robot and 13 Reasons Why. Brian Fuller was then involved briefly before not being involved, as tends to happen with Brian Fuller. So uh, he sort of joined and left. Then in July 2018, Hulu said they were developing a series, although that was sort of pre-Disney buying Hulu, and I I have a, rather have a feeling that maybe this wasn't compatible with them for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. But uh, then we got this surprise announcement this week that AMC have picked up the rights not only to Vampire Chronicles, but also to the Lives of the Wayfair Witches as well. And Rice saying that uh, it's always been my dream to see the worlds of my two biggest series united under a single roof so that filmmakers could explore the expansive and interconnected universe of my vampires and witches. That dream is now a reality in the result is one of the most significant thrilling deals of my long career it's not like they're short of things to work from i mean there are over 30 books obviously vampire chronicles which is things like interview with the vampire vampire list lack queen of the damned prince Lestat, a whole bunch of other things uh, lives of the mayfair witches which is witching hour lasser and talos along with the the crossover books as well called merrick blackwell farm and blood canticle so there's a whole bunch of things that they can work from Anne and chris rice are are both going to be involved as Inzec producers on the series as well. So they do have some direct involvement with it. It's not just like I, I know Anne has had issues with some of the adaptations previously. So uh, I you know I think they want to be able to still be involved and have some say in what goes on with the work. And after the fact that she didn't have control of the rights for a very long time, I imagine she's going to uh, want to make sure that she retains some control over things you obviously know the books because they've been around for years i know whether you're a fan of any of this stuff i feel like you're saying that to me because i wear black and have purple hair and only <laughs> go out at night um i do i do know the books i know a lot of people that that read them not so much with the uh, the mayfair witches but more just with the the vampire chronicle stuff but it's never been a series i've massively gotten into myself it's weird i've consumed a lot of media based on them right like i obviously i've i've, I've watched the films yeah. Um, I've also read some manga that was based on the Vampire Chronicles, although I believe retrospectively that was kind of deemed not canon and and, and right, something. Okay. I, remember there, I remember there being something going on with that, like back at this was a long time ago, um, back in the 90s. But I have read some manga, but I haven't really read a huge amount of the original books at all. I've just kind of flitted around the things. I think my first introduction was Interview the Vampire, the movies. So that's probably why. Right. Yeah. I always find it hilarious that one of the the biggest criticisms of that movie was how whiny Lou 
Bowie, the Brad Pitt character, was in it. And then if you go and actually read the book, he's as bad in the book. It's actually a fairly faithful adaptation. Louis is a whingy character throughout the entire thing. And they just translated that over to the movie. He's like, oh, woe is me. I've been turned into this beautiful vampire for the next thousand years. <laughs> and, and, and he's I'm like, always going to be this pretty. No. <laughs> yeah. And he just complains about it. And that's and that relationship between, I mean, it's one of the weird things with Tom Cruise being casting. I mean, I remember Anne Rice actually, when Tom Cruise was casting that in the film, we completely objected to it and then took out a full page ad in the papers after she saw the final cut, apologizing, saying, I was completely wrong. He's brilliant in this role. And he was. It was a great, great pairing between the pair of them. And Lestat's just exasperation at Louis over the fact that Louis just complains about every little thing and can't just enjoy life, you know? Um, it's, it's hilarious. I, I, I think he's, he's just a really good adaptation. I'm interested to see how they translate that over to a TV series. I do really love the books. Um, I, I'm very, very interested to see them do, you know, a, a full version of it. You know, um, it's interesting to have AMC pick this up as well. Cause of course the other thing AMC are mostly known for is the walking dead, which is another big adaptation of, uh, well, a comic book in that particular case, rather than straight literary work. But, uh, I think that's probably, quite a sensible home for it and it gives them another tentpole license to be able to grab hold of so they're not completely reliant on just having everything be walking dead so uh, yeah and they're not going to run out of material with uh, with no. this one either because there are approximately three squillion books yes um and i'm learning the titles of more of them looking over looking over the notes for today there are, there are some even i hadn't heard of i had no idea atlantis was involved yes yes there's prince lestat and the realms of atlantis there's uh yeah the he gets, i like the way up grades himself to royalty as well yes yeah abs- as he should it's quite right for uh, for Lestat so uh, yeah I'm quite looking forward to that I'd be very interested to see what they come up with and when that lands and stuff as I say it's it's been bouncing around since like 2017 the idea of doing this so uh, mm-hmm. seems to have finally landed somewhere solid and they will actually do something with it with this deal so uh, we'll let you know when we actually hear more and we hear casting and that sort of stuff but uh, yeah coming to AMC uh, by the way just because it's coming to AMC in the US does not necessarily mean it will end up on AMC in the UK because AMC have a tendency to sell their stuff to outside agencies purely because it makes more money for, I think for them than to run it on AMC UK which is a very very limited channel over here so uh, well, we'll have to wait and see where it turns up when it does eventually get released but it is being produced moving on to the next thing Netflix has ordered Sweet Tooth, which is based on uh, the DC Vertigo comic book. Not a one that I knew, actually, but Sweet Tooth is apparently a broad appeal, family-friendly storybook adventure of Gus, who is part deer, part boy, who leaves his home in the forest to find the outside world ravaged by a cataclysmic event. He joins a ragtag family of humans and animal children, hybrids like himself, in search of answers about this new world and the mystery behind his hybrid origins. Do you know this book at all? It's not one I'd come across. It's not one I've read. It's not one I would have expected to have received a TV adaptation, although with all the things we have been seeing receive adaptations, which have been making me very, very happy, the amount of comic book series that are being picked up. I'm, I'm waiting after we've had, you know, things like The Boys and Happy picked up and yeah. and stuff like that and uh, the Umbrella Academy. umbrella Corporation and stuff like that. I'm, I'm waiting for someone to pick up Transmetropolitan. Um, but yeah, th- something like this I, I, I wouldn't expect to see. I don't know a huge amount about it but it is just such a unusual premise and the fact that it's it's always pitched as something that as you say broad appeal you know this is a fairly mainstream thing but it's released on dc vertigo which is where they put their non-mainstream things um <laughs> and it's set in a post-apocalyptic world where there's a boy who's also part deer um is it's a very weird sentence to construct um yeah and a very weird pitch to put forward and I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall on the meeting where they went yeah this is a nice broad appeal family-friendly show about a deer boy that lives in a post-apocalyptic future where he's been raised by a slightly stifling i believe 
I don't know if it's religious or, or somewhat father figure and then goes off sort of fairy tale like, but definitely not to uh, find what the real world is like. I, I Yeah, I would love to have seen how that conversation went. Yeah, I mean, it is a bizarre thing to pick up. Interesting cast and people behind it, though. Christian uh, Coveri, who was in Tiger Rising playing with Fire, don't know them. Noso Anunzi, who you might know from uh, Game of Thrones and Zoo. He was in Adil Akhtar, who was in The Big Sick and Victoria and Abdul. Will Fort from Last Man on Earth and Saturday Night Live. And James Brolin, who was in Life in Pieces and Westworld, is the voice of the narrator for the series. So it's got quite a good cast. The people behind it are Jim Mickle, who was involved with Hap and Leonard, and uh, Bess Schwartz, who was on Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. They're writers and co-showrunners. And it's Team Downey, which is uh, Robert and Susan Downey Jr.'s company. So, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting bunch of people to be involved with it. It's suitably weird and off the wall. I, mm. I'm really I think intrigued. TV's just getting weirder, which I'm, I'm very, very happy about, yeah, <laughs> to no, be honest. I'm all for that. I'm all for TV getting weirder. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they've ordered it in a slightly weird format as well, having one hour long episodes for this. Yeah, I, I do wonder what sort of age you're pitching this at, because, I mean, it does say it's a sort of family-friendly thing, but it is set in an apocalyptic landscape. So, yeah, it's a little odd, but... um I mean, we don't know when that's going to land. They have ordered it to series. It is not going to be for 2021. It could easily end up being 2022, the way things are going at the moment. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, they've done fairly well with their Vertigo adaptations. I mean, Lucifer, Preacher, iZombie, they were all Vertigo imprint, DC imprints. So They were. They were quite removed from the source material. True, yes. So it's going to be interesting to see with this one, since the, the weirdest thing about it is the premise that's going to be an interesting one to see how close they stick to the source material with it um i might i might need to read it to make a comparison yeah because uh, it's not something i can really make a wild guess about that one um yeah it'll be it'll be an interesting one to see and i i love the idea that so many dc vertigo things are being picked up but it, it's the place dc for all the stuff that's too good not to print but slightly too weird to, yeah. to put on their main line and i mean one of the things that made dc vertigo's name kind of um household was like things like the, the sandman series neil yeah, gaiman's yeah. works so it's lovely to see the, the lesser known things in that part of the publishing house getting picked up for adaptations on such a large scale yeah i'm i'm very intrigued to to see that but that will be coming to netflix it's called sweet tooth and uh, one last star wars new story we have as well uh katie sackoff is apparently going to be reprising her role as Bo-Katan on The Mandalorian Season 2, which, have you finished The Mandalorian yet? I don't no, know. No, <laughs> I don't have access. Okay, there is a reason for her showing up. Uh, if you've watched The Mandalorian Season 1 to the final episode, that sort of makes sense, given where they leave things, that she will show up, and I will try not to give anything away, just in case you haven't caught up with it. But uh, Bo-Katan was a lieutenant in a radical slash terrorist, depending on your point of view, uh, Mandalorian splinter group called Death Watch and second in command to uh, the leader Pre-Vasala. However, when Darth Maul gained possession of the Darksaber, which is a legendary weapon crafted by the first Mandalorian ever to be introduced into the Jedi Order, he kills Pre-Vasala and takes over the throne of Mandalore. But Bo-Katan refuses to follow him. This leads to Bo-Katan bringing the Jedi and the Republic to lay siege to Mandalore and remove more from power. That was all sort of during the Clone Wars and then during Star Wars Rebels, she takes possession of the Darksaber herself and uses it to unite Mandalore against the Imperial kind of forces and stuff. So that's the sort of background to it. Without spoiling anything for the Mandalorian Season 1, there is a reason why you might expect this character to appear. Obviously, she's a Mandalorian, so she's attached to the sort of Mandalorian story anyway. So it sort of makes sense. Um, it 
it's it's quite nice that they're actually using Katie Sackhoff to do this because she voiced the character in Clone Wars and voiced the character in Rebels. She does look quite a lot like the character as well, which is quite handy. We don't know how she's going to show up. We don't know how long she's going to show up. It may be that she's in some sort of flashback sequence. It may be that she's she's actually there. We don't know. All we know is that they've said she is appearing. So, yeah, I mean, I know how much you're up on this sort of small bit of history from Star Wars. Uh, I've watched a reasonable amount of Clone Wars and Rebels as well. I also just think Katie Sackhoff has got good sci-fi acting credentials and people will be very happy to see her joining this. And it is always nice when they have the same voice and the same person playing characters as well in interconnected, heavily interconnected universes, uh, which are all canon like Star Wars. So I think this will make fans very, very happy. Yeah, I I hope so. I I think it makes sense. And, uh, you know, the other casting, of course, we've had for this is Pedro Pascal, obviously, back as Mando. We believe Giancarlo Esposito will be back as Moff Gideon. They've announced that Michael Bean from Aliens and Terminator is going to be in there as another bounty hunter. Rosario Dawson's supposed to be playing Ahsoka Tanu. And uh, we also think that apparently Boba Fett is going to show up, played by Tamura Morrison as well, who obviously played Jango Fett in the movies. So, um, yeah, it's shaping up to be a really interesting season. Having, Having kind of not done that many cameos in season one they seem to have gone a bit nuts with it in season two so um but they they have also talked about maybe taking some of these characters and spinning them off into their own things later on so maybe some of this is just set up for them creating even more star wars tv series in the future so we'll have to wait i don't think anyone's going to complain about that no i don't think they are so that's all the news we've got for this week let's move on to the highlights for next week on tv Highlights for next week. We have Pandora Season 1 coming to Sci-Fi UK on the 21st of May. As I mentioned earlier, there is a second season of this coming, but uh, this is the first season. Sci-Fi action series about a resourceful young woman who has lost everything but finds a new life at Earth Space Training Academy. There are some secret power things involved. It's that sort of sci-fi series. So, uh, yeah, that sounds quite good. 21st of May at 9pm on Sci-Fi UK for that. Uh, Second season of Homecoming, which is the psychological thriller from Mr. Robot's Sam Ishmael. That comes to Amazon Prime on the 22nd of May. That's again a sort of anthology series. So I think Julia Roberts was in the first one. I'm not sure who's in the second one, but it would be a different cast based around the same sort of thing. Little Fires Everywhere, the Hulu series, that is coming to Amazon Prime on the 22nd of May in the UK based on the best-selling book. I know there's a lot of interest in that, so if you want to go to Little Fires Everywhere, that's dropping on there. Dynasty Season 3 finally lands on Netflix on the 23rd of May. That is dropping as a box set, so you can binge your way through that. Mayans MC Season 2 comes to BBC Two on the 24th of May at 10.55 so that is the second season of the uh, Sons of Anarchy spin-off and uh, Snowpiercer 25th of May on Netflix that is the TV series based off the uh, movie and off the comic book the original comic book I'm very much looking forward to that I know this is one you're quite excited about as well yeah I think that it is going to be really really good I loved loved the film really really loved the film and the idea it's going to merge some elements as a because I thought it was going to be another separate adaptation unconnected to the film but it looks like it's going to merge some bits from the film and um, also adapt the original graphic novel as well so I'm I'm really really looking forward to this yeah I'm very much looking forward to it as well if you are a fan of Snowpiercer keep an eye out next week on the behind the scenes podcast because I will be interviewing the production designer for it as well and uh, if you're a fan of video games this week i i did david bateson the voice of agent 47 from hitman series as well so uh, go and check those out on the behind the scenes podcast and uh, lastly we've got american dad season 16 that starts on the 26th of may at 9 p.m on fox uk so that is everything we have for this week unless you want to mention anything else such as where you are where people can find you what you're doing with your time i like that seamless seamless subtle segue there i like it i like it almost as subtle as the intro tune you use for me yeah. <laughs> 
Um, you can find me as Trista Bites, spelled B-Y-T-E-S, because I thought I was funny. Uh, I am over on YouTube, where I have four and a half years worth of content. I can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I also Twitch stream multiple times a week. It's sort of up to eight times a week at the moment. I'm doing Monday to Wednesdays for 1 p.m. for a daytime geek chatter shift. I also do various evenings from 8 p.m. and generally on Fridays from 6 p.m. until late, where we do retro gaming parties. It is very good fun, worth going to watch. Usually she breaks something, either herself or something in the surrounding vicinity. So uh, that's always See, quite I want to deny it. <laughs> I want to d- just, if you could stop, you know, sassing me with accurate things, that would, that would help. <laughs> uh, so it is very, very much worth going to uh, watch it. They are very fun and very funny. I particularly enjoy the uh, trawl back through my childhood of, of retro um, cartoons and stuff. That's always quite good fun when you do those. The one we did, we did a special extra bonus one on the weekend, which was a post Eurovision party where we looked at classic old entries. And also <laughs> I showed everybody things I think should be in Eurovision, including obscure Australian Japanese crossover heavy metal idol pop music and um, interesting okay all kinds of things and um, also if anyone knows a children's cartoon called Hey Dougie that has a st- song called Stick Stick Sticky Stick I showed everyone the uh, heavy metal version <laughs> of that and the black metal version of Avril Lavigne's Hello Kitty so that was a special musical episode <laughs> a little bit different than normal but um, I think I broke a lot of people's brains which was good fun yes yes well it's they, they spend a lot of their time trying to break you so it's good that <laughs> you're getting your revenge it, it was it was and every time they try and get the baby shark lyrics into chat I, I have got my now ultimate comeback earworm wise which is just to, to slightly lean in and say have you ever had like this <laughs> yes. and then do no more of the that's song that's a great theme tune yes sorry for everybody that knows what that is referenced to and now have that stuck in their heads as well as checking out Vex you can also go and check out Matt over on Entertainment Talk for a lot more podcast stuff over there uh, he's doing things weekly he's covering lots and lots of shows so go and check him out over on entertainmenttalk.org for us of course you can find us at uh, geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk everybody stay safe make sure you wash your hands phone your elderly relatives and make sure everybody is all right and we will see you next week bye-bye bye have you ever like this <laughs> oh man enjoy singing that for the rest of the day yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.